0: Welcome to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Robbinsville. Thank you for joining us. We trust that the teaching of God's Word will speak to you. Good morning, church family. Great to be with you today. Um, man... Very exciting to have a few moments to just sit and to consider the goodness and the greatness of our God, amen? Uh, It's one of those things that we never can tire of and we constantly need reminders of uh, how good and great He really is. So hopefully that was encouragement to you and very excited because today that's what we get to do. Some of my favorite kind of sermons, we get to just sit back and reflect on the character of God. So uh, looking forward to that this morning. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 3 and Isaiah chapter 40 if you want to turn your Bibles there. So we're nearing the end of our study of this idea of wisdom for the family. And we've been at this journey... For a number of weeks now, considering how do we live wisely as as a family, uh, and we're trying to live and be a family as God says we should. And so, as we're nearing the end of this, we wanted to spend a couple weeks really focusing on the children and messages that would be very simple for them to understand. And so, that's really what today and next week is going to be about. But I assure you, this is also a message that's very applicable to parents and, and any stage of life we are in. Um, and so, what we're going to do today is we're going to carry on the theme from. VBS. And as Rance was talking about, VBS this week had this idea, fear not for I am with you. And so as you think about just even, even young children really struggle with fear. Fear can be a very dominating thing in our lives. And so we want this to kind of be the exclamation point for what the kids have learned this week. And we also want to just have a chance to bring the body along in uh, what the children learn this week, because these are very important lessons that we never outgrow. So some fear in life is a good thing. I, I watched a video this week of, of a guy working at an amusement park, and he was working on top of one of these rides. They were way high in the sky. And the way it worked is two people came up there, and they strapped into this thing. And all of a sudden, he'd go over to the computer, and he'd push this button. And there's like a five or 10-second delay, and all of a sudden, just boom, they're just gone, right? I don't know. They just drop straight down. You hear them screaming and all this stuff. But what made this video so funny, maybe I have a sick sense of humor, but this guy would go over, and he'd push this button, and so they're waiting, and he would turn around with this panic, looked on his face, and he'd say, there's a warning that your seatbelt's not fastened. All of a sudden, they'd scream, and then right then, they'd drop, in just this tear. Or he'd come over and say, the cart says it's off the track, and they'd have one second to think about it, and then boom, they're dropping through this hole. That, I, I laughed out loud at this video, just over and over him doing the same thing these poor people. I just thought that was great because, you know, in that moment, he absolutely sent this, this fear and adrenaline and panic throughout their, every ounce of their being as they were just sure they were about to die in the next few seconds. In that moment, fear is rational. It makes sense to have fear. Also, if you've ever found yourself in this position, fear is a good thing. Right? There are some times in life that we should fear because innately within us, we have this fear that says, that, that says there are things that are dangerous and there are things that I should be careful of because they can really hurt me. And so this kind of fear is not the problem that we're talking about. We say fear not. We're not saying don't ever be afraid of being chased by a bear. Okay? It's not this facade of, I'm not scared of nothing. Right? It's not what we're encouraging children with this week in the idea of fear not. Instead, we're talking about this other fear that the Bible talks about, and this fear is very different. This is a fear that is tied to the unknown. It's fear that gets to this area of my life that says, this is something I can't control. And when we start to feel like this is something I can't control, these are circumstances beyond my ability to to handle, all of a sudden, we can become very fearful. And these things may happen, these things may never happen, but at the same time, we have this anxious fearful feeling within us and that fear can really become very very consuming it can become something that controls us so much that it affects what we do with our lives and the things we we're not willing to be engaged in anymore because we are so afraid of the things that we can't control this is the fear that we want to help kids overcome and we need to help as adults be reminded of we struggle with this fear as well so, there's, it's not surprising that when we read through the Bible, you may be aware of this, the most commonly repeated command in all of Scripture is fear not. More than anything, Jesus, more than any command the Bible ever gives, is this idea of fear not. Now, it's fascinating because Jesus says in the New Testament, what is the most important command? He says you should love God and love other people, right? Love God with everything within you and love your neighbor as yourself. And so it's not like putting these two things in competing ideas, but it is fascinating for us to stop and think about, is there a connection between these two things? If the most repeated command is do not fear, and Jesus says the most important command is to love, is there some connection between those two? And I think that there really is a strong connection. Because when we begin to be consumed by fear, what does that do to our relationship with the Lord? We run away from Him. Instead of releasing things to God, we try to control them and we pull away from God and we, we start to distrust God and we say, God, I don't, I don't believe that you have my best at mind and I don't trust you with this. And so when we are controlled by fear, it's pushing us away from our ability to love God with every ounce of our being. And it does the same thing with other people. See, when I'm afraid, I do, I, I do one of two things. I can either move away from people... I'm afraid of how they may hurt me and I'm not gonna let that happen so I move away from people or in my fear, I can try to control other people and I become, I become consuming on other people. I don't give them any space and, and, and ultimately as I'm trying to control and hold them close, I'm actually pushing them away. So in this command, do not fear, we see when we struggle with fear, when we are consumed and overcome by fear, what that does is it actually blocks our ability to love God and to love other people. So this is a big deal and we want to get this right. So today we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 and ask this question, how do I overcome the sinful fear in my life? And we're going to do this by going back. Remember when you were really young at school and they're teaching you how to read a story and they say, these are the important questions you need to ask. Who, what, when, where, why, and how? Right? Anybody remember those? The five W's and an H, they called it, right? Who, what, when, where, why, and how. And Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is going to give us all of those points as we consider, how do I overcome the sinful fear in my life? So I invite you to stand as we're going to read from God's holy, inerrant, inspired, infallible Word. God's Word to His church today. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Probably well-known verses to many of you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You that Your goodness uh, is never something we exhaust. God, You are an awesome God. That's a word we throw around, and it means a lot to us, God, but it's different. There is nothing like You. You alone are awesome. Father, help us today to have these few moments to just sit and to soak in that reality. Father, we need a new dose of your awesomeness. We need to see it. We become very sterile to the whole idea, but God, you continually remind us of who you are. So Father, I pray today that you would help us to find freedom from the sinful fear in our lives as we stop and consider who you truly are. So I pray you bless our study this morning. Pray that your spirit would guide us and that you would speak to us as we all individually need. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, you may be seated. So Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, who, what, when, where, why, and how. And we are going to jump around and not do it in the order that we memorize that phrase. But this first idea, what overcomes fear? And it's this very first word, trust, right? What overcomes the fear in my life? It starts with trust. I want you to stop and think about every day how much trust you offer to other people. All right, when you get ready to leave church, many of you are going to go out to, to dinner somewhere, right? And you're going to sit down, and you're going to eat that food that they put before you. Have you ever stopped to think about how much you're actually trusting those people? That could be a little scary, right? You're trusting a lot of people just to put something in your mouth. You're trusting that whoever prepared your food washed their hands and did that the way they were supposed to. You're trusting whoever made that food did it in a way that was healthy and good and wonderful, You're trusting the process of that food getting to you was safe and everything was done well. There's a lot of trust that goes into the simple thing of like going out to lunch. There's a lot of trust of getting in your car and driving somewhere. Do you ever think about how many cars you pass every day and you're each going like 60 miles an hour and they're going the other direction? That person doesn't pay attention for a few seconds. You have a 120 mile an hour head on crash. Every car you drive by, you are trusting that other person to be paying attention. To not be on their phone and to be staying in their lane. You wake up tomorrow, a lot of you wake up and you go to work. Why? Because you trust your boss is actually going to pay you for the hours that you put in. Very simple things that we do. We don't even think about it, but all of these things, you go through your day and just actually stop and think, how many people I'm actually trusting on a day-to-day basis? So trust is when we are willing to take action based on the word of another person, Okay, so it's, it's more than just saying, yeah, I trust the cooks down there. It's actually eating the food. It's more than saying, I trust other drivers. It's actually being willing to get on the road and start driving somewhere. Because it's one thing to say, yeah, I trust that person. But to actually do something that puts myself in potentially harmful position based on what that person said is a whole different thing. And so when we're trying to overcome our fear, we're not just wanting to communicate a trust, but we are wanting to have lives that actually respond and react in that trust. Do you see the difference there? That's really important. Because this trust starts to move us away from fear. Fear causes me to pull back, to try to control and to figure it out myself. Trust is saying I'm handing over my circumstances to someone else. the simple illustrations we just gave, I'm handing over my lunch safety to someone else's hands. So you think about maybe sometimes you've had that like ache in your belly for a long time or something, you're like, oh, I know I should get this checked out, but I don't want to. And so you try to figure it out yourself, and you you do all these things and all these home remedies and stuff because you kind of just want to figure it out yourself, but eventually there comes a point where you say, I have to trust somebody else. And you have to go see these doctors, people you've never met before, And you're willing to let them cut you open? If you really think about that, that's wild. But we've recognized and learned there are certain circumstances that are beyond my control. And unless I hand them off to someone else in trust, I'm never going to overcome it. So we can get stuck in fear. We can become consumed by fear because we're not willing to hand over and trust those things to someone else. Now, this is really important because it teaches us it really matters who I trust. You know, trust in itself isn't a good thing or a bad thing. Because you can actually trust the wrong person and trust becomes a very bad thing. Do you ever think about that? When you put your trust in the wrong hands, that's extremely damaging. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, all of these things. But when you put your trust in the right hands, it changes everything. When you put your when you release your circumstances to the hand of the right person, it's a beautiful experience. And so trust is what overcomes our fear, but it brings us to the next question, the who. Who am I trusting? Well, Proverbs 3 tells us very clearly, trust in the Lord. It doesn't say trust in your friends, doesn't say even trust in your parents, it doesn't say trust anyone else, trust in the Lord. Now, this isn't saying there's not others in our lives we also can't trust, but it is helping us to see there's an ultimate who that we should be trusting. There's an ultimate person that we are handing the circumstances of our life over to. Now, we think about trust being in the wrong hands or the right hands. We recognize these are very comforting hands. When we're handing our circumstances over to the Lord, that's a great place to be placing our trust. And so I want to take us for a moment here and just kind of stop and to consider, kind of in light of the greatness of this person, who is it that we are trusting? If trusting in the Lord is what helps me overcome our fears, sometimes we need to remind ourselves who this is we are trusting. Because it can become so monotonous and so mundane, yeah, trust in the Lord. We forget who he really is. But when we remember who he is, handing our circumstances over to him is a joyful, delightful experience. And so one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible is Isaiah chapter 40. And I want us to kind of pick out some verses in there just to reflect on who is this one that we are trusting? Now, Isaiah 40 starts out in the first couple of verses. God is speaking to his people and he's saying, comfort my people. He wants to comfort Israel. Israel's been going through some very difficult times. God sees that. They're becoming controlled by fear, controlled by their circumstances. And God says, I want to offer them comfort. And so it's fascinating to watch how Isaiah 40 unfolds because how does God offer comfort to fearful people? He does something kind of strange. He just spends a whole chapter talking about who he is. And sometimes that seems to disconnect. God, if I want you to comfort me, I want you to come in and say, I'll take care of that. Just, you know, I'll fix all of this. God doesn't do that. He comes in and says, what you need is comfort to overcome your fear. And the way I'm gonna help you be comforted is I'm gonna just blow your socks off with who I am. So who is this one that we are trusting? First, we see he is infinitely powerful. Isaiah 40, verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, measured heaven with a span and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? So just stop for a minute. And this is a really cool illustration for the kids. Sometimes you take them to the pool or something. Just pick up water in the hollow of your hand and show them how much you can pick up. When kids look at their parents, they think, oh, mom and dad, they're a big deal. Go down there and scoop up some water and show them how much you held up and say, did did me taking this much water out change the lake? Did it change the pool? And then help them understand what this says. God measures the, the waters of the world in the hollow of his hand. Tell your kids, if God were to scoop down with his hand and pick up the water, he would drain the entire planet dry. Does that put into perspective The greatness of God versus me? (laughs) He has measured heaven with a span. A span is this measurement right here. It's about nine inches on the average person. I can't measure a lot with my nine inches, but you see this idea. God goes out and God holds his, his hand up like this, and he measures the universe, which we can't even find the ends of. And God says, that's about the right size. He's weighed the dust of the earth in a measure. He's weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance. When you get to drive around, we take for granted that we live in some big mountains. All of these are teaching opportunities to remind ourselves and our kids how great God really is. Kids, do you understand God could pick up that mountain and put it on his little scale, and he'd be like, oh, that didn't even move it. What happened? The mountains of the earth are small in his scales. So God is greater than all of nature. Everything that we see, the planet around us, He's greater than all of it. He controls it all. But He's also greater than the nations. Behold, the nations are as a drop in the bucket and are counted as a small dust on the scales. Look, He lifts up the aisles as a very little thing. All nations before Him are as nothing, and they are counted by Him than less than nothing and worthless. Now, this isn't God saying, oh, I don't care about you people. That's not what he means by worthless. But the idea of throughout the history, since the beginning of time, nations have risen and, f- and fell. That's what happens. These great nations that we never thought would fall, like Rome and the different empires that have been all throughout history, where are they now? They're gone. Because from God's perspective, these great, powerful nations, they're a drop in the bucket. Bloop. Bloop that little drip that you hear and just kind of annoys you sometimes, that, that dripping faucet, to God, that's a nation. The aisles are a small thing. He picks them up. All nations before Him are as nothing. We love the nation we live in, but we recognize compared to God, it's nothing. So God is greater than nature. He's greater than the nations. Everything is in His hand. He's also great, greater than the rulers. Verse 23, he brings the princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth useless. There's been some really powerful world leaders in the history of the world, right? People we could never touch, people you'd think this, this, this man is, is uncontrollable. He's got everything at his disposal. He, he says it and it happens. God brings those princes to nothing. The most powerful leaders in the world, God says, they're at my, they're at my beck and call. Who is it that we are trusting? We are trusting in a God who's infinitely powerful. Now, that's really important for us to know and to remember and to remind ourselves of. But if we don't know the rest of his character, it's also terrifying. There's a lot of the world who believes in an infinitely powerful God, but that doesn't draw them to him. It scares them because they can't trust their God. But the God of the Bible isn't so because not only is he infinitely powerful, he's infinitely wise Who has directed the spirit of the Lord or or as his counselor has taught him? With whom did he take counsel and who instructed him and taught him the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? You see, this time your God is saying, did I ever ask you for something? Was I ever at this point of confusion where I just really needed your help? Did I ever hit this point where I just was lost and just didn't know how to move forward? No one has ever taught the Lord anything. He's not lacking in anything that he needs to know. He's not lacking in anything that's possible or real. He knows it all. He doesn't take counsel with anyone. There is no one who can instruct him. There's nothing that he is lacking. So not only is he powerful, he is wise. He knows the way that the earth functions. He knows what we need. He knows what is good. He does this on this grand scale, but he does it also very individually for you. Romans chapter 8 And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So not only is God wise in the big things of the world, it says, for all of those who love God and are called according to his purpose, do you see what he does? He works everything together for our good. Everything. Think about the millions and millions and millions of little situations that happen in your life. God says, I am intimately watching every single one of those details, and I'm weaving them together into this story of your life that is called good. It's not saying every single thing that happens to you is good, but it is saying, God is saying, I can take even the bad things in your life, and I can weave those and use those for your good. That's amazing. Who else can take the bad and the broken and the hard and use those for good? But God does. Every single scenario of your life, and not yours alone. Billions of people that have lived in the history of the world who love God and are called according to His purpose. Millions, however many. God oversees every single one of those individuals, every single circumstance, and He weaves it together in His infinite wisdom for good. That's who our God is. When we trust him, he is infinitely powerful and he is infinitely wise. For the great things that we can't even think about. Think about something like our human bodies and how intricate they are. For your heart to keep pumping for 70, 80, 90 years. In all the years of engineering, we've never figured out anything like that. If you can get a pump to last five years, you're doing great. God says, I can create one that can beat millions and millions of times, move all of this blood throughout your life, and it can keep going for 90 years without ever having to be lubricated or taken care of. What about your eyes, your skin, your hands, your feet, all of these part of your body that God has in His infinite wisdom created? He knows what we need he knows exactly what is best for us. But we're still left with this. I'm still not sure how to respond. He's infinitely powerful and he's infinitely wise, but, but that still doesn't answer all of our questions. Uh, author Jerry Bridges said this. He says, power without love is terrifying. And love without power is pitiable. You understand what he's saying? He says, if somebody has power, but they don't have love for me, That's terrifying. Because I don't know how they're going to use their power. And he flips it and he says, but if somebody loves me, but they don't have the power to do anything, that doesn't help me at all. So when it comes to our God, this who that we are trusting to overcome our fear, not only is he infinitely powerful and infinitely wise, he's infinitely good. He's infinitely good. Verse 11 of of Isaiah 40, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Do you hear the gentleness and the kindness and the goodness in that verse? Especially those of you who are raising little children right now and you know how exhausted you are and you know how maxed out you feel and and what does God say to you? He says, I will gently lead those of you with young. God understands the circumstances of our life and he says, I I will lead you in a way that is good and kind and patient and gentle. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. A shepherd cares about his sheep. He provides for them. He does everything that they need to keep them safe. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them in his bosom those lambs who are struggling, those times in life when we feel like, God, this is hard right now and I feel extra, extra like I need you right now. He says, I'm gonna scoop you up and I'm gonna carry you with me because I'm good. And that's how I care about you and that's how I interact with you. Psalm 145, the Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all that he does we consider the goodness of the Lord, it's fascinating here that the psalmist doesn't say the Lord does good to all. Do you notice that? Goodness is not something that God chooses to do. It is part of who he is. The Lord is good to all. You know why that's really important? God's not gonna wake up tomorrow and decide, I don't wanna do you any more good. I'm really frustrated with you. I'm done doing good to you. No, because God is good. Everything he does must be good because that's all he can do. I love the story of Moses in the Old Testament when Moses is standing on the mountain before God and he says, God, will you please show me your glory? Will you show me who you really are? Can I just get a glimpse of you? Do you remember how God responds? He says, sit down and I will let my goodness pass before you. Isn't that weird? That, that, that Moses says, I want to see how big you are. I want to see how grand you are. And God says, Sit down. I'm going to show you how good I am. If you want to see my glory on display, look at my goodness. That's fascinating. This is the powerful God who has the nations and, and nature and the rulers in the, and, and totally in his control. And he says, But what you really need to know is I'm good. When you want to see me at work, look for my goodness. So goodness is who He is. So when we think about who is it that I'm trusting, I'm trusting in God who is infinitely powerful, infinitely wise and infinitely good. God always has your good in mind. Psalm 23 that we love says, "Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of your life." Do you see that picture? As you're walking along through life, God's goodness is right behind you, following you. He never leaves. God's goodness is never going to forsake you. He's never going to stop. He is good. Now, when we put all these things together, this is really important because how do we overcome fear with trust? We do it by placing my circumstances into the hands of another. We talked about how dangerous and scary that can be, but when we are placing our circumstances into the hands of this God, do you see how encouraging and freeing that is for us? We're saying, God, I can't control these things, but I'm giving them to you, the all-powerful, all-wise, and all-good God. This is no longer my burden to carry. So how do we overcome our sinful fear? We do it through trust in the Lord. Well, where and when? We're going to combine the next two. Where and when do I trust Him? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do you see what God is asking of us here? He says, when and where do I want you to trust me? The answer is everywhere. Every ounce of your life, every fiber of your being, every decision that you make, God says, I want you to trust me with that. Now that's pretty overwhelming to think about that because sometimes in our lives, it becomes easier to trust God for our eternal salvation than it does to trust him with my today. Now, if we think about that, that's pretty illogical in our brains, but it almost seems like, God, I know you will take care of that, but I don't know if you can take care of this. But God says, I want you to trust me everywhere, every decision you make, every part of your life. And so this is really important as we're watching our children grow and as we are growing as adults because it's so easy to compartmentalize my life. I have my faith where I trust God and I have my reality where I have to figure life out. I trust God with maybe my finances, but not my relationships. I trust him with my relationships, but not my schedule. And we break this apart and we try to make this deal with God where I trust him in some places and some places I figured out myself. But what does God want from us? He says, I want you to trust me with all your heart. And it helps us to understand what that looks like by that phrase sandwiched right between, lean not on your own understanding. That's what the world is teaching us to do. You all, everyone has our own understanding about how life works. Figure out your understanding and go for it. That's not how God wants us to trust him. He says, don't lean on your own understanding. But there's also another element to that that's really fun. Sometimes when we lean on our own understanding, we are limiting how we think God can work right? Leaning on your own understanding says, God, this is the situation I'm in. I know one of these two things have to happen, so I'm really counting on you. I'm trusting you to do one of these two things. And God says, actually, I'm going to do this thing way over here. This thing that you never considered or even knew as a possibility, that's the one I'm choosing. But when we lean on our own understanding, we can become very frustrated, even when we're trying to trust God, but we're trusting him to do one of two options. And he does something over there. Oftentimes, We actually get angry with him. And even though he's working for our good in a wise and powerful way, we don't like how he does it because it doesn't fit in our understanding. But trust means, okay, if that's where we're going, God, I'm with you. So think back to some of the VBS stories this week, kiddos. As those people are sitting in jail, do you think they anticipated, as they were sitting there thinking, God, I trust you, do you think any of them had this thought cross their mind that maybe God will send an earthquake that'll break the door down, but it won't crush the building and just destroy us? Probably not. Because none of them had ever seen that before, most likely. They didn't know God worked that way, but that's how God chose to work. You see, sometimes we limit God by what we expect Him to do and we're missing it. God has says, give me everything. Give me your imagination. Give me your understanding of how this works. Trust me. Don't lean on your own understanding. I've had a lot of times in life where I thought God should work a certain way, and he had the audacity not to. Those are times where it's very easy for us to become angry and bitter towards God, and instead of drawing towards him in trust, we actually move further away, and we become more afraid and more angry. And it becomes a devastating cycle that destroys our spiritual lives. So don't lean on our own understanding. Well, next, how? How do I trust Him? And he gives us this little phrase at the bottom, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. I've had a lot of fun this week kind of reflecting on this idea because acknowledge means something very different in our culture than it means here. You know, when I think of acknowledge, what I picture is I'm driving my truck down the road. Somebody's coming and I do this, right? Anybody, anybody do that, the, the little wave? To me, that's an acknowledgement. That means I recognized your existence, and then I carried on completely unchanged by anything about your world. So when we read acknowledge him, that's kind of sometimes maybe where our mind goes. You know, I'm cruising through, figuring out my circumstance. I'm like, hey, God, I know you're out there, and I go over here. But I acknowledge God. I remembered he existed, but this word is a deeper word than that. It's actually the same word going all the way back to Genesis when it says Adam knew his wife. That's this word. So this word talks about knowledge. It talks about consideration. It talks about submission. It talks about this intimate understanding. Very different idea then. so in all my ways acknowledge him. This this is what it looks like to trust. How do I trust him? I acknowledge him. Let's think for a minute, what would that look like? That means that I ask for wisdom to see situations as he sees it. Now that takes time. That takes silence, that takes journaling, that takes meditation. God, I am not seeing this circumstance as you see it. When I see this, all I see is something that's causing me a lot of fear because I can't figure it out. But when God sees that, do you know what he probably sees? This is exactly what my child needed to overcome this struggle she's having. This is wonderful. And we see, God, why are you doing this to me? Acknowledging God means taking the time to ask him, God, show me how you see this situation. It also means praising his unchanging character even when my circumstances don't change. Acknowledging him means, God, I know who you are and I know that's never changing. So even though my circumstances are the same and maybe getting worse, I know who you are. Acknowledging him means releasing control of the things that he never intended me to try to control. God, I don't understand this, but I am giving this to you. I'm handing this over to you, the all-powerful, all-wise, all-good God. And finally, it means to turn to him instead of away from him when we are in these moments. Acknowledging him is a lot harder than just this simple thing and going on unchanged. It takes time, it takes effort, but that is what trusting the Lord looks like. And so look how Isaiah 40 puts this. God is talking, he says, to whom will you liken me? To whom shall I be an equal? Says the Holy One, lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things. That's what he's saying right here. Acknowledge me. When you're struggling, remember there's no one like me and slow down and look up and remember. That constant theme throughout scripture, remember who I am, remember what I've done, remember what I can do. The word we like for this is awe. How do we overcome our fear? It's when we just stop and we say, God, I am in awe of who you are. When we live there and we focus on him and his glory, all of a sudden these circumstances that are causing us fear start to melt away. But when our focus is on the circumstances, they can become very consuming. That's how we do it, by acknowledging him. Finally, the last one, why should I trust him? In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. This is what he's promising. And this word direct also means he will make straight Okay, So the idea here is if you acknowledge me and trust me, I'm going to make your path straight. I'm going to give you a clear way to walk. I'm going to give you a path that's safe and good for you. So we love that idea. To think about that God has created a path for you. You know the problem with God's path? Sometimes we want the other one. We don't like the path that God is creating for us. We don't like the way he's leading us and guiding us through life. Even though it's a good path, we want to go this direction over here. So why should I trust him? It's only when I stand in awe of him and remember who he is that I will start to trust and say, God, your path is good and right. Even though I feel like I want this one, I'm trusting that yours is the better one for me. God wants to make your path clear. So he wants us to stand in awe of him. So when we really stop and think about the joy that we can have during hard times, when you think about those moments of life where you have had a peace that just absolutely surpasses all understanding, that's a great gift. When you think about God has created the world in such a way that I can be going through absolute turmoil in life, and be experiencing peace and joy. That's remarkable. But when our lives are in our hands and we're trying to control things and we we don't yet trust God enough to release those things to him, we are never gonna experience the peace and joy that he has for us right in the middle of these heartaches. And so when we find ourselves being controlled by fear, we have to remind ourselves, the problem is I'm trusting the wrong who. I'm trusting the wrong who. Who? Maybe I'm trusting myself, or sometimes we create this God who's very small and can't fix our problems. But the God of the Bible is never too small for what you're facing. So if you find yourself controlled by fear, remember, you are trusting the wrong who. You need to go back. Remember who He is. Because if fear is controlling me, all is not consuming me. And we want to be people who are consumed by all of God. Because the more we understand who he is and the more we just can't get our minds off the greatness of God, that fear is gonna start to go away. And we're no longer gonna be controlled by these things. And we can say, fear not, for I am with you. That can be our experience of life. So may we be a church who radically shows off the glory of God as we live with his peace and joy in the midst of whatever we're facing. We no longer have to be controlled by fear. We can do this when we release ourselves to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that time and time again, you have have revealed to us your greatness. Father, just sink that into our brains this morning in a real way, I ask. I ask that your glory and your greatness would be just the forefront of our minds this week and that as a result, all of our problems would start to seem so small in comparison to you. God, let us never forget who you are. Father, I pray that the children of this church would grow up and that they would live fearless lives that they would do whatever you're asking of them, that they would trust you in the most radical of circumstances because they know who you are. So may this be a church that that just celebrates and constantly reminds one another of the greatness and awesomeness of our God. I pray, Father, for all of us in this room who are struggling with fear. We're going through hard things and it's just such a battle to let those things go. I pray, God, that you would comfort us by showing us who you are. It's in the great name of Jesus we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you were encouraged by the teaching of God's word. If you have questions or would like more information about our church, you can find us at www.robinsvillefbc.org or call the office at 828-479-3423. God bless you and have a great day.